0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hey, everyone. This is Six Degrees of Mike McKenna, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This episode, I'm joined by former NHL goaltender Peter Budai. Remember, if you like Six Degrees, please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Anywhere you stream the podcast, you can always find me at Mike McKenna 56 on all the social media outlets. Folks, the Super Bowl's here. It's right around the corner. You can get in on All the action at betonline.ag. Did you hear the Tampa Bay's wearing their white road uniforms at home in their home stadium for the Super Bowl? Seems goofy, but I like the play. Something a little bit creative and different. Want to wear white, keep the temperatures down in a hot climate. That makes all kinds of sense. But you know what? Native Missouri in here, hard to bet against the Chiefs. That's probably my direction, even though I know there's still Tom Brady fans out there, especially in New England. Listen, I played and lived there for a long time. I get it, but I'm going to root for the Chiefs this coming uh, Super Bowl here. Tampa Bay is the first team in history to play for the title on their home field. They are a current three-and-a-half-point underdogs against Kansas City, looking for back-to-back titles the first time in almost two decades. Bet Online has hundreds of props on the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem. Is it going to be under three minutes? Over two-and-a-half? Is it the Little Richard version for Mystery Alaska? We'll find out always available online or on your mobile device visit bet online today bet online your online sportsbook experts let's kick it over to peter budai now i think you're really going to enjoy this one a lot of time in the nhl miners from slovakia super interesting guy enjoy
0: uh thanks for having me, guys you know it's, it's great to be here and it's uh, it's always fun to you know uh talk shop with uh you know um ex-goaltender just like you too and uh, you know so we me and my family, you know, as I retired, you know, we uh, we moved to Bozeman, Montana. We lived there for a year, then uh, you know we decided we're gonna move to Arizona. You know, it's a big change, but uh, you know uh, we really like it here too. You know, it, it's a great spot. You know, the the youth hockey is really growing. You know, I'm I'm trying to do some uh, you know goalie camps. You know, I enjoy goal coaching goalies so. Uh, this this market that is growing I think it's one of the fastest growing youth hockey place in the United States right now I think and uh, you know with uh with everything going on in the world you know this is one of the places that still you know keep it open pretty pretty solid and so it's a uh, it's a it's a good opportunity for me to you know to try to give back to you know the kids and everything else what I was uh, what I can what I learned over the career and uh, you know make them better and make them uh, you know, achieve their dreams if they, uh, they can continue and do their rest.
1: You know, when I started this, I said Slovakian goaltender, but you grew up in Czechoslovakia, a different world back then, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a quarter yeah. Czech, I've, I've got ties to that. What was life like growing up for you under that regime before things changed, before it, it split off to the Czech Republic and Slovakia?
0: Well, I was, you know, I, I was born in 82, so, um, you know, we were still, you know, I still remember bits of pieces, you know, I was still like seven, eight years old when, when the wall went down, like Berlin Wall, and then we right. split in 92, but, you know, the whole regime, it's very different, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand, uh, they've never lived there, you know, it's very hard, you know, just like for me, it would be hard to judge anybody else, they lived in a different regime that I never lived in, uh, but I only heard about it, you know, so, you know, for me, you know, it was... More, I lived through it especially I was still a little young but I remember a lot of it and uh, you know it's, it's a very different uh, it's a different experience you know definitely and that's why I think uh, especially back in the day you know there was a lot of people that wanted to move uh, to United States you know and to be fortunate enough to be uh, part of you know um, the world and the country like United States that is uh, you know uh, land of opportunity you know and you know it's uh, it's just I always always was my dreams since I was a kid you know and even when I played back home I always wanted to do it because you know one of those things was the regime and everything else because uh you know it is very difficult and it's uh, it's very different than people think and you know it's uh you can ask anybody who lived there uh, it's uh, it's totally uh it's a little eye opening how how different it can be people don't believe what i say the story so <laughs> yeah
1: what were the resources like were you able to get equipment well ice time were any of those challenging uh, for
0: you they were, yeah, definitely challenging for my parents. And, and you know, that's, you know, and I always say that, you know, I owe everything to my parents because of that, because, you know, they, they have to sacrifice a lot. You know, we, uh, you know, I, I don't come from a lot of money and, uh, you know, we goalie totally position hockey, hockey, hockey sports as it is, you know, it's very expensive, especially yeah. right now. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's not like if you play soccer, you know, you just need a soccer ball and you're fine. But, hockey you need ice you need a gear you need the sticks you know you need to keep changing stuff so it's, it's very uh, demanding financially for the parents and for the families and uh, you know especially back then when um, in a different regime uh, you know we were my, my dad had to figure out do stuff My um, have my dad had to figure out stuff like uh, you know talking to older goalies that they don't have the gear they use because they grew out of it buy it used you know so i can use it and you know try to find resources the best they can you know we didn't have you know, possibility of, you know, I'm going to go to stores. I'm going to look from, you know, Bauer or Bond, whatever, you know,
1: you you were just trying to get equipment, not as much. This is my favorite kind. I just need a glove. Doesn't
0: matter what color, doesn't matter what brand, doesn't matter if it is a little bit, you know, ripped up on the bottom. Doesn't matter if the skate doesn't fit as well, you know, it's just, you just try to get it so you can, you can use it and you can, you can play the best you can. And, and, you know, my dad did a great job, you know, with that and my mom too. And, you know, they, uh, they sacrifice a lot of vacation times, too, so I can get a pair of you know, pads or hockey stick and everything. Else. So it's definitely special for me when I talk about it because, you, know, uh, you know, I have the kids right now. So I know that uh, it's a little different era right now and different position I'm in than my parents were when I was young. So, uh, you know, I always, uh, always appreciate that, what, they, what they've
1: done to me. That's amazing. It, it makes sense now, looking at your track record, that you came over early to the OHL. You know, like you always had the ambition of getting across the pond, whether it's Canada or United States. How did you make that jump? What got you on the radar for the Ontario Hockey League to be able to get you over uh, to Toronto St. Mike's?
0: Yeah, it, it is kind of a kind of cool story, I think, and for me at least. You know, maybe you not know, for people, but for me, you know, I uh, I was able to play for under sixteen national team in my country, and we had like a, a little camp going on and. It happened to be at the same place where under 18 was playing three exhibition games versus uh, Team Canada, and it was in Slovakia, and we were in the same town. We were not playing games; we were doing some just workout, just you know, just like a regular camp, just to get ready for. I think that was under 18, uh, under 16, some kind of tournament or something like that. Uh, and um, I think both of the goalies got hurt uh, in the first game against Canada, and the goal, um, and they lost the first game. And then the coach from under 18 came to our coach and says, "You know what? I'm going to try." one of your goalies you know since um you know we, we get a couple of guys hurt and everything else so i went in and uh i played uh i didn't start you know the other guy started uh, he didn't have a strong game so he got pulled in the halfway through and i went in and then you know i played well you know we still lost you know, canada was a powerhouse as it always is so yeah. it was very difficult for us to, to play but um you know, the next game I started, and I, I, I think I played well. You know, we got lit up anyways. <laughs> we lost like four, no, 4 nothing, but, you know, 4 nothing. Well, in international
1: like, hockey, 4 nothing's is not bad. 14 nothing is a real – that's really getting lit yeah, up in international they, yeah, hockey. Yeah, so, so we lost 4
0: nothing, but they had like 50 shots. They were all over us. It was, it was a very tough game. And after the game, uh, there was a scout named Paul Henry, and he uh, he came to my parents. You know, we didn't speak English, my dad didn't just barely a little bit. And, you know, he said, you know, if your son wants to, you know, try to maybe play – Uh, Canadian Junior Hockey, you know, I I have a guy that, you know, can kind of put him on the radar there so maybe he can go to the draft and get drafted and see because I think I think, I don't know exactly, I think they're allowed still goalies from Europe uh, in junior hockey. Yeah. I know they there had was that like ban a two- for a
1: while because they, they thought they were taking the Canadian yeah. spots. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah so th- back then it was allowed. We, you're allowed to, to import players and uh, you can choose whatever you get, a goalie player, whatever. So I got drafted to Ontario Hockey League, to Toronto, St. Michael's Majors in second round. You know, I uh, originally my agent, you know, when I the scout gave me a number for this agent and he, he was my agent my whole career and and he thought I'm gonna to go to Kingston, but the Kingston passed on me. He they picked another guy, and then I got picked up the second round to Toronto St. Michael's major. So it worked out great. And then, you know, the decision after with my parents to move as a 16 year old. You know, I was 15, turning 16 in September, and because I was going there in August, so I my parents had to decide. You know, I, you want to do this? You know, it was a big decision for us. You know, I I never been on a plane. Wow. <laughs> never been and like never been. You know. Different speaking country, you know. Sure, it's a huge uh, No, no support and everything else. So we had to talk about it. You know, with a lot of family meetings, and we went to see a couple of the friends that um, they've done similar path. That they either went to play East Coast Hockey League in the U.S. or either went to play Junior Hockey League or, uh, you know, either Western or Quebec. And we talked to their parents and you know, kind of make the decision that that's that's the right path for me. And you know, I always wanted to do it. And you know, I was very privileged that I was able to be drafted and uh, get this
1: opportunity. Your parents must be some of the most proud people on earth, like looking at your career path and the, really just the chances you had to take to get to where you were, you, you come over and you get to St. Mike's. And first off, there's a language barrier. It's North American hockey. It's totally different culture. And you just got better and better each year, you know, played more games, your numbers improved. When did you start to realize that you were going to be on the radar for NHL teams?
0: Uh, you know, I, I... If if I would tell you that I wasn't thinking about it, I would be lying. Obviously, I, that that was my goal, and that's what I really wanted to do. But I, I knew that it's it's really difficult. You know, sometimes I I didn't even think that how hard it is. Now looking back, and you know, after you know my career, you kind of realize how difficult it is to to achieve that and to be able to draft, be able to be drafted, and and then not just drafted, but keep going afterwards. Yeah. So you know, when I when I played junior hockey, you know, I just wanted to get drafted. That was you know my thing that you know just get on the radar, get drafted, and and it was, it was difficult because I had to, you know, as a European player, um, language barrier. as I said, you know, I had to learn how to speak English. I always believed that, you know, if you're playing in somebody else's country, you need to learn the language. You know? I always felt like that is the least I can do. You know, I am, I'm a foreign coming. I'm like, a, they're not even guests. I don't even know how I put it. But I, that's what I really wanted to do. And school really helped me with that. You know, we were owned by... Probably Catholic St. Michael's uh, intro. Yeah. it's we a unique setup school. with
1: St. Mike's. It was probably a perfect setup for you in that way, I bet. Yeah, it
0: was, it was, it was great because I had to really dig in into my academics. You know, I had to repeat the same grade that I was in Slovakia, uh, tutoring the language, uh, get everything done. So I end up graduating from you know uh, high school and everything else. And a lot of kids didn't want to do it. You know, a lot of Canadian kids that they put into school, they said, "Oh, we don't want to go to the school. This is too hard." But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I mean. Believe me, I didn't enjoy it many times, but it was it was something that really helped me uh, with uh, being part of the team, especially in dressing room. Because you know, I think that uh, I learned that especially in that junior hockey and you know the different culture. The dressing room is very important uh, for the team to be successful and to be able to rely on your teammate and you know have the good times. You know, be able to talk about stuff, and it's cool.
1: You had a teammate in St. Mike's that you're talking about. People who probably didn't like going to school. You had the all-time penalty minute record holder in pro hockey in North America named Daryl Bootland. Oh, I Booter, got to know yeah. Booter when I played in Portland with him for one season, we sat next to each other in the locker room. He's probably the biggest personality I played with. What was he like in junior <laughs> hockey?
0: You know what, he, he, was, a very, uh, he was a very talented, uh, talented player. You know, he was, obviously he, he had a lot of penalty minutes and I think he played in Detroit for, I don't know how many seasons, but he was there yep. for how many games. And uh, he was a type of player that he wasn't a huge guy, but he was not afraid of anybody. It was a different era, so he was fight a lot and everything else. But he uh, he loved the game of hockey. He loved the you know being around the boys in the dressing room and everything else. And he's just a fun guy to be around. It, but you know, in, in juniors he put up 100 points. You know, he was yeah. uh, he was a scorer. You know, he was able to score. He was able to fight and you know back then that was uh, something that a lot of teams were looking for you know he was uh, i would say he was a very good power forward you know speaking of that you know he wasn't a big unit you know and everything else but he played hard you know and he never backed down from anybody so buddha was a was a, was a very uh, very cool dude to be around you know so it was uh, he was fun guys sitting guys next like to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> i bet I, I bet it is
1: <laughs> it's funny because you think about this guy's got the all-time penalty minutes record But he was a legit power forward, you know, and you think about guys like maybe Darren McCarty or someone of that mold that booter was supposed to eventually take that spot down the road. And it just people forget how good hockey players are, even the ones that are considered to be fighters by the time they get to pro hockey.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the hockey has changed a lot, you know, in this uh, new era and everything else. and It definitely brings more goals, more skill plays and everything else that it used to be. But as you said, you know, people don't understand, uh, even though that you are considered a power forward or even a fighter, you still have to play the game in the same speed. Nobody's going to slow it down for you. So you you have to be able to do everything else um, with uh, less time on the ice, which is really difficult. You know, you can ask anybody. You can ask the player who plays twenty minutes on the ice. I know, I know you know that. Uh, if you play three minutes, four minutes on the ice, and you sit on the bench the entire time, then you jump in into, you know, running train. You got to be ready to go. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. You got to get that puck out. You know, you have to, you know, uh, block the shot. You know keep the puck in the offensive zone, make the plays, you know, back check, forward check. And it's not easy when you sit for 15, 20 minutes, you know, on, on the bench. So I think a lot of times these people don't get credit enough uh, for uh, how much they had to hurt, uh, work and how much um, it has to actually take sacrifice for them to do that, you know, in a beneficial for the team. So it's, uh, those guys are very special. And, you know, I always going to have so much respect for those, for those type of players.
1: You're drafted in the second round, 63rd overall, 2001 by the Colorado Avalanche. What was the first experience like, whether it was a development camp or an actual training camp, and then the first time you had Joe Sackett come down the wing, and fire that patented wrister at you?
0: Uh, it was it was amazing. You know, when I got drafted, it was in Florida. You know, my, my parents were there with me. It was a pretty surreal day for me, and you know, it was uh, very emotional and everything. And then when when we got to the camp, uh, you know, we I got. Paired up, you know, they usually put you in a three, you know, three teams like they do and two goalies each and yeah. they play between each other. You know, I don't know how they do it now, but uh, I my partner, goalie partner was uh, Dom uh, Patrick Ra. So he was, <laughs> and I was like a young kid and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually got him to sign my card because I was uh, <laughs> I was sitting right next hey, to him. Hey Pat, there, nice like, to meet I'm you. Like, Can you sign my, har- like, sign my card? I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. You know, I know this is embarrassing. You know, we're sitting in the same dressing room, but you know. I remember How did him, he take it? Up, was he was, cool about it? Oh, he was cool about it. He was so cool. He was. He was. You know, I. You know, a lot of people have different opinion about Patrick and, and you know the way he is. But you know, I have nothing bad to say about him. He was a, a professional. He was. Uh, he wanted to win. He was a winner. And and he was so nice to me as a young kid. You know, I. He. Talked to me about like the gear. He talked to me about the way play the game. Sometimes, you know, he was super, super nice to me, and I have to say, you know, thank you for that because he was, he just make that uh, transition so much easier. He didn't make that tension. You know, he's like, oh my goodness, this is Patrick, right? You know, you know, he was very cool about all the stuff, and yeah, he even signed my card, so it was kind of very, very cool about that. So I was, I was pretty, pretty happy about that.
1: Was there anything that Patrick taught you about equipment that you remember today? Uh, not much. He just told me, you know, I, I used to tie my
0: pads were super tight and he told me to loosen up a little bit those pads you know will be help you to you know get on the ice faster and cover the ground and
1: not be let so them rotate tight and make turn it. up yes so
0: because like sometimes if you don't hit it completely perfect sometimes you're late on the play and you have the pad really tight on your leg you know that pad's going to roll with your leg instead of just you know let the pad roll off your leg and just cover the guys like supposed so just a small thing like this so yeah. uh, it was really cool and you know i i appreciate it i was just like oh my goodness, I. Got on the phone with my parents like look at it patrick talked to me it was so cool so it was really cool
1: did you think you were going straight to the nhl i mean you spent three no. years in the american league marinating and hershey <laughs> being ready for your chance but were you disappointed no. when you didn't make it right away
0: no uh no i uh i always felt i always have this talk with my parents and especially my dad and, you know you always believe that you have to pay your dues you know you have to you have to wait until you're ready you know there's uh uh Everything with its time, you know, everything with its time. You know, I think that we live in an era where everybody wants to get there as fast as possible. Do as, as everything is so fast right now. Everything you want a quick satisfaction right away. If you don't get it, you don't want to wait for it. And that's it. And you can see it even with the young kids. A lot of young kids are leaving to go to Europe or go to KHL because, you know, they played one season in American Hockey League. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do
1: this. no more. Yeah, it's NHL or NHL. bust. I'm out of here.
0: And and it's it, it, it's it's also it's not bad. It's their decision, you know. I'm not judging what they want to do, but I, I believe that I had to get ready. You know, I know that I wasn't ready for the NHL. You know, I played the exhibition games. It wasn't bad. Was not great few bad games that I remember. I wasn't ready. I, I knew that I wasn't ready. So I think the American Hockey League and the entire path that I was taking was really beneficial for me because you know I took those years in Hershey. Uh, not just oh you know, I'm just here just to get back up there, you know I, I'm there to learn something and to improve myself so I can be better goalie than I was yesterday and a year ago or you know last training camp. so when I'm training camp, I'm even better when I'm the third training camp, I'm gonna be even better than that. so I think it, that really helped me to have this uh, talks with my my father, my mom about all these things to like you know wait my time uh, use the time wisely that I have it and, and be able to you know, continue to try to grow to the goalie that I could be potentially because you know they drafted me so they saw some potential so uh, I tried to live up to that potential that they saw in me so that's that's how I took it.
1: Statistically speaking your best year in the American League of the three you played was 045 4 5 and that was the lockout year and the American League was absolutely stacked so I'm not surprised that 5-6 Colorado put their weight behind you and brought you to the NHL full-time at that point but what do you remember about the American Hockey League in 2004 during that lockout season?
0: There was a lot of great players there. You know, I think that you know, especially with the long being the you know the full year lockout, I think that was a very, uh, very strong, very strong, strong year. And I think that uh, a lot of good players, a lot of good young players that played already in HL, uh, got sent down and played minor league hockey. You know, because they don't want to not play. So it was it was it was really good and really helped us. You know, we had a we had a good team too, but you know there was a lot of uh, other teams that were really really stacked but that really helped me as you said to get ready for the next step you know I think that American Hockey League is great but you know obviously it's not an NHL but you know once you send you know a few of the core players even though they're young you know they're going to be ready to go and you know you know they're going to be hungry they're going to try to put up the points so when the NHL comes back you know they can prove them that they can be put higher on the you know on their chart and everything else. So it was a really competitive, uh, competitive year. And it was, uh, it was fun. You know, I think it was great.
1: What was your welcome to the NHL moment?
0: <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Like it, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I was, I was just uh, excited when I made team. you know, it was so, so cool. You know, we, um, I didn't expect them to play me the second game of the season. You know, I think we had a road trip to Edmonton and Dallas and, and the first game um, David Abisher played, and then uh, we played back to back nights. And nobody told me, you know, I think Joel, Joel Quenville, and I love Joe. Joe is a great, I love playing under he him. A, he's a great coach for us. And uh, he, uh, he didn't tell me uh, whatever, you know, usually you tell him, you know, this is the game that they're going to give you. So he didn't tell me anything, you know, just getting out of the plane, you know, early morning in Dallas. And he says, you know what, kid, you know, tomorrow, you know, good luck you know, enjoy it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, we, we end up winning, but you know, it was just a great, uh, great time, you know, and I, I wish my parents could have been there, but you know, they, I know they were watching it. So it was, it was really cool.
1: So I didn't get a chance to really dig in on it. You know, some of the players that were on the avalanche at that time, it always re- revolves around Sak, It seems like his shot, the point totals, the leadership, when you walk in the locker room, could you feel that right away?
0: Absolutely. Like Joe, um, Joe is a great person on and off the ice, you know, and it's not a, a lot of people say it's a cliche, but he was an ultimate leader, you know, he was the guy that uh, didn't say much in addressing him, you know, he was joking around with the boys, you know, he didn't say huge speeches, and he didn't like pump up all the guys, but you just saw the way he carried himself, uh, uh, the leadership, you saw he is the heart and soul of the team, and you know that he is the future Hall of Famer at that time, and, and he he lived up to that you know he, he was an absolute professional like he would be on in a dressing room early doing all the stuff working out stretching you know skating 100% every time he stepped on the ice doesn't matter if it's practice doesn't matter if it was optional you know when he went on he was 100% in. you know it wasn't just goofing around and because of that you know you as a young kid I was there and you know I I, I looked at him you know obviously watching all these you know big name players and and because he's doing what he's doing he's Kind of giving you that extra energy to push even harder than you can do. You think that you can push, you know. You always, you always think that you work the hardest at a certain level you are at, but then you know when you get to the next level, you can see that oh, there's another door. Oh, there's another step. There's always that another step that you don't realize that when you, when you're not in that level. But uh, I just saw that in him, and it uh, was he was just the leader that you know was able to uh, uh, lead you without saying anything. You know, that that's why, you know, that that's the guy when you go to the battle with that, he's going to be the absolute guy is going to take care of, uh, you know, his part and he's expecting the same from you. And that's what you have to do. So and he's never going to tell you. It's not speeches that tell you how hard you have to work. It's the way he, he approached the game and to the, the entire, you know, captaincy of Colorado Avalanche and, uh, you know, how proud he was, you know, to be a captain, because that's why he played so hard, you know, because he he loved that organization and he he just did a great job with that
1: strictly from a goalie perspective, what made it so difficult to stop his wrist shot? I don't know.
0: It's it's hard to say, but for me, I think he's one of the best wrist shots ever that I faced. I was so happy that was on his team, not against him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but in practice... We've all had that he, um, player that we never want to yeah, face on the other team. Yeah, exactly. But he he just, he just was able to take that shot in a full speed, in full stride, in my opinion. That's my opinion. He never stopped skating. He never bring he never had that pause, you know, as a goalie, that the player sometimes pause before mm-hmm. they shoot and then gives you the little extra half a second to get ready as a goalie. To process it, he to get on the to angle. To process it, to kind of know and kind of try to read the stick and try to read the release body language and everything else. With him, he would be full stride and he would take the shot and he would beat you five hole and you're like, oh my goodness, how, how did he do it? Like you, you were just laid on it because you were not expecting him to shoot because he never take that time. He never give you that time. Uh, to get set even more you know I think that that's why he was and you saw his highlights I'm sure that whenever he went down he would shoot five hole on a butterfly era at the end of his career and still beat the guys because he was able to do it full speed and never stop moving his feet a lot of, a lot of great players I, I play great players that had an amazing shot you know in practice but in the game they couldn't get it out because they were just didn't have the time to do that that's why it was Joe was so cool because he was able to do it full speed player on and player off and doesn't matter and he would just absolutely rifle it you know that that quick release that he had it was amazing
1: one of my favorite parts of your career is that you and i were probably the torch carriers for bauer longer than anybody (laughs) like if you talk about brand loyalty i think todd brown at bauer probably had both of us on speed dial for yeah. 20 <laughs> I had years him on speed
0: dial. I had him on a speed dial, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: what what drew you to Bauer? What was your relationship like with Todd? I've had Brownie on this podcast twice and he's told yeah. some great stories. He said that you were probably the only guy that actually liked the Bauer vapor pad, but he loved oh, yeah. working. I loved with, it. Yeah, you were I the only the guy. Pad. But he loved I working I think I was the only
0: one to wear it. I think yeah. I was the only guy to wear it when he came out. And I don't know why it's just he was uh he was a great guy to work with like he um Honestly, that vapor pad when I first saw it, like a speck, uh, you know, I was like, mm, I don't know if I like it. I had it the or same not. thought.
1: I saw it at the factory uh, in Mississauga. I went there from yeah. college and saw it, and I was like, I don't know about this. And yeah, that was like so many new
0: quirky things that I didn't think like a,
1: like innovational things. You know, a lot of times when that companies
0: happens, like it can go either great or not good. You know, it's one of those. But he. He, he made that pad into what I want. Like he understood, like, you know, I think he played gold too for a little bit. Yep. Just, just, you know, just, so he understands certain things, which is really, really great, especially for the job that we're doing that he, he talked to him. He understood what I meant. And he, he made that pad. I think, I don't know. He told me one time, it was like a 23 different changes from a spec. Wow. Like it was really, really different pad. Like, I, but it wasn't like a different everything else. And they just slapped the, you know, Colors on it that looks like it, but he actually was the same pad, but he just tweaked it a little bit to what how I liked it, and he did a great job with it. You know, brownies and awesome. I I love Bauer since I was a kid. I always I always liked that company. Uh, you know, when I watch hockey back in the day, you know, I they saw goalies wearing it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And um, and then my first nice gear that my parents were able to afford was Bauer, and since then I was like, and I was it was, I was I was like twelve or thirteen, I think. And then he, I was the same. And since since then, I was like, you know what, this is it. I really enjoy this company, and you know, I'm going to see what they got. And I always believe that the the loyalty is uh, is a pretty big thing. You know, maybe uh, a lot of people maybe disagree with me, but you know, it is uh, it is what I chose, and you know, I don't have any regrets. I think the Bauer did a great job, you know, with the with the gear and um, the service that they did for us. You know, it was great. Yeah,
1: I had the same thoughts. I I just felt like if I stayed with the company that I knew was doing a good job that cared about me. And that I had a great connection with somebody, you know, Brownie. Yeah. I mean, I, inv- I invited Brownie to my wedding, you know, like I yeah. is, he is a legit, very good friend and that He's a good com- guy. I had confidence in him that if I told him, listen, I, I need something. Can you make this happen for me in my gear? I had no doubt he'd be able to pull it off. Did you have anything unique about your equipment? Like at any point in your career specs that would kind of surprise people to hear, or were just different from stock?
0: Uh I don't know. I, I, I like really like my glove. I like it. The old way that was closing like the break. I was always like the old school closing. He always said like, this is like, we don't, we don't use this break anymore, but I'll be free. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, I just enjoyed it uh, more. So I think that one, uh, at one point I tried to maybe, I think he said, uh, when I talked to Brownie, I think Curtis Joseph used to use it. I think when he had a, I think he had a Bowers in Toronto, um, uh, while ago, when he played there, and, and he had his blocker hand pushed a little bit higher. I yes. had it for one season, so he had a little bit more on the bottom for a low blocker shot. So, when yep, you have to get that, more reach with Kashuk, had to it like that reach. too. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. You know, he actually told me about it, and you know, that was one of the things that I, I had used. You know, that you know, sometimes I get exposed when I turn my wrist too far on <laughs> high yeah. shots, you know, I got exposed there, but you know, the, the chest protector was fine too, so I, I used that. A lot because I felt like that low blocker shot is something that is, uh, you know, uh, not many guys shoot there right now. Everybody likes, um, you know, bar down, but yeah, you got to make <laughs> it look good. But yeah, but it's, it's the same, man. It's not two points. <laughs> it's only one goal. It doesn't count as two goals. I always tell my son when we play, you know, it's, uh, you know, even the shot that just goes over your butt or something like that it still counts as a goal. Nobody asks how, you know, just give it to men. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's one of the things like, then my gloves and then. The pads, um, I like the soft pad. Like I enjoyed my soft pad. Like, you know, I know that you like a little bit stiffer. Yeah, you're pretty enjoyed,
1: old school in what you liked. Still, yeah, like. Still like you still I had like regular my, strapping and I like regular
0: strapping. I, I didn't I didn't like I I tried that, you know, for a while, but I, I just felt like it was uh it was. Uh, I never get to respond like I felt like it was more consistent response from my pad with the with the strapping that is old school, you know, because of the the, the leather didn't give in as much as the you know. Yeah, it doesn't elastic, move. Elastic. You know what you're it getting with move. it. doesn't move. You know what I'm getting with it. So I kind of enjoyed it more. It felt more comfortable, you know. Uh, but the new pads are just amazing now. They're so light, and you know, kids can oh. do crazy things with it. And they're, Compared they're to what at, we started you know, with.
1: So, Think yeah. About what we started with, you know. Yeah, I mean, the deer, deer
0: fur, deer fur, and stuck into it. So, and then it was on the eyes, it was like 30 pounds
1: each pad. So, it was funny. And how bad the puck hurt like our arm and chest protectors. Yeah. I mean, I'm an 83, yeah, you're an 82. We went through the same yeah. things in the 80s and yeah. the early 90s where every there was no chest protectors, hurt.
0: like it, bruises everywhere. Yeah, it was <laughs> everything was a bruise. So, and a top of the glove, our knees. Even, oh, yeah, even even the glove, like you didn't catch it in the pocket. Like, yeah, it was just kidding. Getting you know, just demolished.
1: <laughs> I remember Not when enough. I tried out for my junior team, it was my hands were black and blue and the tops of my knees were the same way. Cause we still had short oh, yeah. pads and you know, 1999, I was using three 34 inch pads. My knees were exposed. They didn't even have yeah. good knee guards. The game's yeah, so safe there, yeah. now. Like when you coach yeah. kids nowadays, do you find that it's so different for them because they don't fear the puck like we used to?
0: yeah sometimes i do you know sometimes i do but it, it, i feel that the gear is so good right now that they can uh they don't even have to do the movement right but almost the gear kind of helps them to get to the right position you know like we had to remember when when we started yet to have the butterfly at the right right like a sweet spot if you didn't yep. the pad would roll it wouldn't cover the ice properly you know there would be holes and everything else but the pads they're so well right now you they just they just go to kind of like the position on the pad takes them there like you know the, the technology that went into goalie gear and you know it's it's amazing you know because it's it's completely different from what it used to be so it's it's a big step for hockey and especially for the goalie so
1: oh man we could talk goaltending gear all day long hey listen if you're a goaltender looking to improve your game I'm available for coaching through 44visionhockey.com you go on you create an account and you put my name in as your coach I'll take all your video from live barn from Hockey TV. We upload those, take all the clips, and then we go through it all in a Zoom meeting. You get a couple of clips that you get to refer back to that'll be on your player page at all times. I take what I know of the position, what I've learned from all the goalie coaches that I've worked with, put it into your game through a pro's eye. So go to 44visionhockey.com. Again, put me in as your coach. I'd love to work with you. Back to your career. Let's talk Olympics. What a moment, huh? Like, yeah, I, that's one thing I never got to do was put my country's jersey on. I can't imagine how cool that must have been for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is one of the coolest things that, you know, I was able to do. And was, uh, I was very privileged to be able to do that. But, you know, it's it's just very special. You know, I think that, you know, standing on a blue line, national anthem, for NHL even as a Canadian or American I know they're not my national anthems but it's still a very very special moment and, and you know it's just yeah. you know getting ready but if you hear your own national anthem it, it is very special you know especially knowing you know the sacrifices the people made that helped me to get where I was and you know that that was very special whenever I was able to play for Team Slovakia so it was it was, it was pretty cool you know it's something very special
1: that's amazing i can't that's the one thing man i just wish i'd had that chance you know the other thing was outdoor game i never got one of those i can't think no, did you ever get a chance of those either
0: nope man. never got one of the outdoor games either no <laughs> i think it would be cool but depends on how cold is outside and how is the ice quality because i heard the guys say that's the greatest moment ever but the game is actually really tough you know if you have the sun you know going to your eyes or something like sometimes the ice is not good i think here I don't know where it was. I don't
1: know. No, more than you played weeks, with uh, Jose Theodore who played in the coldest one ever. Oh, he told me it was an absolute disaster.
0: He said he couldn't feel his fingers or toes. He said it was so cold that he was praying to catch the <laughs> puck in the pocket because if they would have got hit like in the wrong spot, it's just absolute. And the puck is just like rock hard at that time. It's just oh, like, ugh.
1: That's like the beginning of practice. It's that yeah. first 10 minutes of practice that no matter what you do, you can't get your hands warm enough and every single shot hurts. You know, you're just yeah. begging your teammates, please don't shoot at my hands for the first 10 I was, minutes. I was,
0: I was always like, after the day off, when you have like a crispy gear and you put it on, the first 10 minutes is just uh, until you get a little sweaty and get a little loosened up. But it's yeah. first 10 minutes are always tough. Everything feels like it's like this protector doesn't even protect me anymore. What's going on here?
1: <laughs> you had some famous masks in your career and a lot of them revolved around Ned Flanders. What point did that nickname stick for you?
0: Well, it's funny because I never even watched Simpsons, so (laughs) I'm going to make some people upset, but I never did. It's just uh, when I was my first year, uh, Terry Gear was uh, one of our uh, assistant equipment managers, and uh, he just called me Ned, you know, because he said, you know, you're always smiling and laughing and you're always happy, you know, you're happy to be there. So he just called me Ned. Just him, though, nobody else. Like, it didn't. It didn't stick around like nobody ever called me that, but he did. And, you know, I'm trying to pick something what I'm going to put in my mask. And he said, why don't you put that? I'm like, oh, that's just stupid. It's, I don't think it's going to be cool. It's just ridiculous. Like the little yellowish glasses character. Like it's not be cool. But he's like, just put a small one and see how it goes. And, you know, I did a small one on my back right here. And uh, David Gunnerson said, like, he really liked the idea. He said that the, like a lot of people liked it and enjoyed it. So he just kept putting on the mask and everything else.
1: That's cool. I like, I like the mass that you had with Valentino Rossi on it. Yeah, that was, <laughs>
0: yeah, that was, uh, the doctor is awesome. Yeah. The doctor was pretty cool. I think that I had a, I had Lionel Messi and I had Valentino Rossi. It's just, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed watching the MotoGP and, you know, I think that, uh, he was an amazing rider. And, oh, and, uh, so I, I put him on there, you know, I don't think many people knew who he was because I don't think it's huge in States, but, uh, you know, me being from Europe, I watched it all the time, so it was uh, it was pretty
1: cool. Yeah, MotoGP is definitely a, a Euro thing more than a US thing. But yeah. if you're into racing and motorsports, like I grew up in motorsports, my dad raced open wheel cars, kind of oh, like nice. Formula One or IndyCar. And yeah. so you're aware of everything. Was was yeah. it just MotoGP that you enjoyed? Were there other motorsports? No, that you liked? I you know
0: we I I like. Honestly, like my parents raised me to like every sport, but, you know, we watched every kind of, uh, you know, uh, motorsport too. You know, we watched, uh, we never a little bit NASCAR, but we didn't have, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have the capability of watching, you know, NASCAR and USA channels and everything else, you know, we didn't have those, but we had a formula one, you know, so I watched a lot of formula one, a lot of MotoGP and uh, you know, a lot of other sports, like obviously soccer and, you know, tennis and all these things, you know, so um, I enjoy those sports a lot. You know, I, I enjoyed it you know we every every sunday when there was a you know a grand prix you know we after we went to church and went for lunch and we come home sit on the couch and watching you know formula one you know it was funny my mom was able to do it too so which was surprising but uh, she did it and you know and we me and my brother and my dad we watched it all the time so it was it was kind of cool
1: your time with the avalanche was like you had great years but the team was up and down a lot, right? It wasn't great all the time. It's, it's tough to be in a scenario where you don't feel like you're being rewarded with good play on a team. That's just not bringing it all the time, you know? So like for all the years that you had there and the time you spent, what were the highlights of being an avalanche player?
0: You know, I think for me, obviously it was uh, obviously making it to the NHL was one of the big ones. You know, I think that was this huge first shout out, you know, that, that was really big too, but you know, just being part of the team, you know, we went to the, uh, conference finals then uh, we got swept by uh, I think uh, we got swept by uh, Anaheim Anaheim won that year and uh, you know it was it was just a great to be part of you know playoffs you know I think the playoffs is, is really 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 great and I think that was really rewarding for me that you know we didn't make playoffs a couple of years but we usually my first you know few years, you know, we, as you said, you know, we we're up and down, you know, we made it playoffs, whatever we, right. did, and then we made a playoffs at the second round and we lost and we're going to make it the next year. So it was kind of up and down, but, you know, just, just to be able to get to playoffs and, and realize how much different that is than, than regular season. You know, it is, it is pretty spectacular. You know, you, all the players are finding that extra gear. Um, to be able to play and to be able to you know sacrifice their body and everything else to for the achieving the ultimate goal to winning a Stanley Cup. So I think uh, that that was really really spectacular for me.
1: There's really nothing like playoffs, is there? Like the overall no. feeling of it and the intensity and no. that vibe in the room and on the ice. Yeah,
0: yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to say anything, or you know, you just know that it's a uh, it's a next level. You know, I think that I don't know. I'm sure it's in the other sports too, but I I don't know. But for hockey, it's just the atmosphere in dressing room and the, uh, the kind of like feeling when you walk in, getting ready for the game, it's completely different. Yeah. So it's the next, as I said, next year that, that people are able to find and and uh, push through to, you know, to get to the ultimate goal, you know, because that's why you're there, you know, that's, you know, ultimately we're all playing to win. Yeah. You know, nobody, uh, you know, you can score 100, 200 points, but if you don't win Stanley Cups, you know, that that's the ultimately what It's not a
1: successful season for the team. I always say this that you can have a lot of fun without winning, but you can't have the most fun if you don't yeah. win. It's, it's yeah, a absolutely. part of it, you know, especially when you're getting paid to do it. It's, it matters. And no matter how much yeah. people can say that all it matters is that you try hard and have fun, winning goes hand in hand with that.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think with the, when you're young, you got to kind of like build, uh, kind of like a find that love towards the game that they can, that passion for the game later when the things are you know more stressful and the things are more serious because it's not just you know you know tournament you know on friday night or something like that it's actually you know it's your job first of all you know you at the end of the day are just a name tag that uh, people put together name tags and hoping that they're going to win the game and win the you know stanley cup so you gotta you gotta be able to uh find it in you and sometimes you know you have uh whatever is going on you have to find that That passion that you build in over the years of playing game and uh, enjoy the sometimes enjoy the grind and everything else Mm -hmm. because ultimately that's what you want to do as you said you know at the end of the day it's winning is everything you know winning is why you play the sport and why when you get to the you know professional sport especially you know I think that you are uh, you're judged by wins you know nobody is going to judge you you know obviously you have to try hard to do that and you learned it over the years but you know at the end of the day. If you don't win, a change is going to happen. That's ultimately the sport. It's a business, you know. At the end of the day, for those, for the people upstairs and for the owners and everything else, you know, they uh, they give uh, players a uh, great lives and everything else, but they expect to win. You know, that's that's what it is.
1: After a decade in the same organization, you get traded to Montreal. You end up going there. I can't remember if you were traded or signed, but no, I was.
0: I was. I was. Uh, I was a free agent. Free agent. Free agent.
1: So, so you signed with Montreal. I mean. After spending that long in one organization, were you excited for a change, just for a new adventure, for a new challenge?
0: Yeah, excited, but, you know, obviously it's hard to, uh, you know, leave the team. You know, you build, uh, you know, built a community and build friends and, you know, you you feel like you're part of a team. But, you know, I, uh, as I said before, you know, I knew that that's, uh, you know changes happens and there's nothing you can do and you know you try to look at it from a point of view that some stuff that you can't control and uh, that's how it is and you know I was excited to go to Montreal you know it's uh you know most wins ever for a team and it's it's like you New know, York Yankees for baseball it's the you know amazing spot you know people live and breathe hockey you know it's just uh, it was uh it was pretty cool that I was able to play there you know and, and in front of Montreal fans you know We always say, like, if you cannot get up for the Montreal game, doesn't matter if you play for Montreal or against Montreal. But if you're in Montreal and uh, and there's no something, goosebumps going down your back when you're hearing it, you know, that means you don't like hockey.
1: (laughs) Was it hard to handle the pressure there?
0: It was very difficult, I think, sometimes, you know, because uh, you are – people live there, you know. It's like a religion for them, you know. They – they live and breathe that there's, like, I think five TV shows, like a pre-game TV show. There's four post-game TV show. There's grading in the newspaper for the players every game and all this stuff. It can be very, um, especially for the young players, like uh, 19, 20-year-old kids, it can be very either helpful or you know not very helpful because you know it's you have a good game media is going to say oh this guy's got to be an all-star you know he's the best the next game you don't have a good game and they just say oh they got to send into minors and everything else so it can be very challenging for the uh, for especially young players uh, uh, because they expect nothing but greatness you know i think that that you know not just the organization but i think the culture of the city and uh, montreal as it is you know they they expect wins because they've been used to it for so many years so they all expect that you know that's the year that we're going to win and and uh, nothing bad you know you lose two games in a row and you know their alarm is you know everywhere else you know what's going on with the team and what kind of changes we should make so i think if you stay away from you know uh, newspapers and news you know i think it can maybe help the kids because uh, that can be kind of uh, detrimental for them a little bit
1: probably help that you were already established in your career before you went there and knew how to handle things better. I can't imagine being a young goal. I mean, you were teammates with Carey Price, the scrutiny he faced and what he's had to go through to remain a top goaltender in the league. You saw it from an inside perspective. It must not have been easy on him at the beginning.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. You know, and I think, you know, when you get to the league and you're like 1920 and as he was, I think he was only
1: like 18 or 19 or something like that
0: he uh it's very difficult you, your mind is a little bit different than when you're thirty I think that is different so you know you you're still growing you're still not you know uh, a veteran you're still trying to figure out the ins and outs of the game and everything else you know especially of the professional life and everything else but you know he carry uh Carrie did a great job with that, you know. I think he, he had obviously, like every young kid, has some hiccups, you know, that stuff like that, and you know it's difficult. But I think that you know he was able to find a way to handle that pressure, and, and it's not easy, you know. It takes uh, a very special person to be able to do that, you know, because it's a, uh, it's it's a very challenging, it's very uh, it's very difficult to come back every day, when you know that um, a lot of our whole eyes are on you, pretty much every yeah. single time that. Montreal played, and I think the city just stopped. And everybody was just watching TV. So, it was bored hockey games. So it was very, uh, very difficult. But he, he's able to handle it. He's a very strong mentally. He's a strong goalie, and uh, he's been proving it for years and years. You know, he's been, he's been, one of the top goalies in the game for years. You know, so it's, uh, it's pretty credit to them, credit credit to him for that.
1: You know, my favorite part of your career. It's not the 367 games you played, the 158 wins. It's how you resurrected your career and how you faced adversity and bounced back from it. When you got shuffled out of Montreal, you end up on the rock in St. John's. And, Boots, I've never seen a season like you had. Oh, nine and six. You didn't win a single game and you were on the rock. And I, I, first off, I want to know where you were mentally that season. If it just spiraled, were you happy? Could you find joy in what you were doing? And then the second part to that, how the hell did you come back and put up the season you did the next year with Ontario? We were at the All Star Game together that year, and yeah. it was the old boys' club. It was me, you, Jan Dunie, Michael Layton, but you were unbeatable, man. Like I, I couldn't yeah, I,
0: even. Uh, I can't wrap my head I around think, this. It was yeah, like that. That was the worst season I've ever heard of. <laughs> you didn't. From I mean, you my, didn't win. You know, it was like the yeah, you didn't yeah. win, man. Yeah, like you not win one game. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was horrible. It was. It was a bad time for my life, and uh, it was just a you know bad bad place I was at and everything that was going back went bad and you know I think that um, my mindset as a hockey you know I didn't take it as I did those years in Hershey where we talked about and I'm taking it to you know to improve my game and uh, I just took it just like you said that I should I uh, know that I should but that a lot of young kids do and I'm just like disappointed that I was down and I wasn't focusing on the games, and, uh, you know. I was focusing on uh, what everybody else doing, uh, except uh, what I'm doing. And uh, it was just, uh, it was just something that I, I don't anybody I wish to go through. And uh, it was just, uh, it was just horrible. And you know, made some bad choices and didn't play well and was terrible. You know. So it was, uh, it was really, really. Uh, really horrible for me. But, you know, the next year, you know, after that year, I didn't have a contract. and I came and I was trying to look for the team, you know, and
1: nobody, nobody
0: called. And then I called, they said no.
1: Less than a year removed from playing the NHL for a decade.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it just shows, you know, you're only as good as what you've done for me lately. You know, it's nothing, nothing like uh, knowing and sitting at home and not getting anything, you know, I think that it was, it was very difficult for me, you know, uh, you know, uh, I was telling my wife, you know, I this could be it. You know, I, I have nothing. You know, I don't. I don't even know. Not even some teams in Europe didn't want to even talk to me. You know, and I didn't want to go to Europe first of all, but I didn't have anything. So, and then I talked to my agent, and he said, "Listen, you know, let's go try the LA for a tryout, see where it takes you, and then we'll see what's going to happen after." And I look at the LA, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, it's uh, like it's Jonathan Quake number one first of all. I didn't even think about uh, NHL. I didn't even think about that." And then. The minor team that was Manchester at the time, they won the Calder Cup. So they are just coming back from the Calder Cup. They have two young goalies, Berube and Bart And they're both pretty really good. And, and I'm like, I even told my agent, I'm like, this is probably not the right spot. He's like, you know what? Just, just give it a try. Go out there and just play. See what's going to happen. I'm like, okay. So I went to the camp and my mindset was completely different. I really went there that this is probably my last time that I'm going to be playing in North America.
1: This could HR be it, literally. You're looking yeah. at your the cliff yeah. at this point thinking this is yeah. it. No contract,
0: nothing. And I uh, you know I just well I went went out there and play. I didn't focus on anything else and I was just focusing on on uh, playing um, playing the game. You know, I had a um uh, had a goalie coach Dusty, and Dusty Emu, and he was with me in St. John's and he he knew me, you know, we worked together and he's a great guy. It really helped me because you know in St. John's I had zero wins. So, and then he got signed in Ontario, and I went to Ontario to do, I mean, to the LA Kings camp and you know do that. And I was like, that's going to be interesting. So it was good to see you know a familiar face and you know he knew. And Dusty's a great guy to understand the personality of, of the of the goalie. I think especially when you go and you're coaching like a young kids and when you coach the professional guys, it's very different to coaching them you know when you coach professional guys adult guys you have to understand the person you have to understand or yeah. how to talk to him when to talk to him sometimes you have to let him go sometimes you have to talk to him and right. you know because bring the heat.
1: they're successful for a reason but you have to exactly. learn how to get through to that person exactly that's what makes a,
0: a very good goalie coach especially in like nhl and stuff uh, they have to be also uh, uh, mentally understanding the goaltender mental state they have to understand the personality of the goaltender because it's very 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 uh, different than coaching a 13 and 14 year old kid it's completely different but so long story short uh, I just played and played well and then I went to the minors uh, no, that didn't make the team they said you know what are we are going to send you down I'm like um, and see we don't have a contract so I was still on a PTO uh, I was able to sign PTO, so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. But the only reason why I signed PTO is because their Berube guy got picked up on waivers. Uh and, right. he went
1: to the Islanders.
0: Yes, and then they didn't have a goalie because they were really uh, – they didn't have a good depth, and they didn't have goalies. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be PTO. I'm going to be backing up Bartoszak until they decide what they, what's going to happen. Well,
1: then well, Bartoszak, Bartoszak went away.
0: Yeah, he went away. Whatever happened there, happened there. So first what happened, he got hurt. He dislocated his thumb and hurt in practice and he had a surgery. He was out for a month. So they said, okay, you know what? We signed you for the PTO thing and you're going to play for us. And I started playing and Ray Emery was my, actually uh, there with me. That's Ray right. Emery they had both so. of you
1: guys. Yeah, on PTOs. Me, and,
0: we, me, and, me and Razor were both on PTOs uh, as a goalies and minors. And, and then, and then Bartzak never came back, you know, and uh, I just started winning games. Like, you know, I felt like it was funny looking back at it. Like I didn't, I went to the first game. You know, we played, and that um, was really, uh, really mentally. Like I was stressed, stressed out about that game because it was the first game that we played of the season. The team that just won a Calder Cup. I'm on a PTO. There's not a very good goalie uh, sitting right there. You know, Ray Emery. You know, he's got an amazing career too, and he, he was right there. And and he they made me start it. and uh, I literally coming off the haven't win a game in probably I don't even know how many how many days. Like it's like 300 over 300 days i haven't over a calendar game.
1: year for sure
0: yeah i mean i, I won some exhibition games but that that doesn't count like i'm talking about like real games so it was very difficult but you know we had a really really strong team and uh Mike Stoddard was a great coach and, and we had a strong team so that really helped me that you know we, we scored a couple goals early and then you know i got settled in a little bit and we ended up winning and since then you know it was it was just a just an amazing season you know it was just you know everybody says like hey did you think did you have some secrets that you know but uh, it was just you know Dusty really helped me as my goalie coach you know I felt really good there as an organization the head coach was really great you know the assistant coach Heider was great too you know it was um, you know Statsy made me feel I love Statsy like Mike Stutters was old school coach and his old school coach and I love the way that he was coached he told me exactly how it was he wasn't putting, you know, napkins in front of his mouth when he talked to me. He talked to me like a man-to-man, and I really appreciated it. You know, I, I think that, you know, when I had a crappy game, he told me, you know what, Boots, you know, I didn't like your game two days ago when we lost, you know, just the way it is. You know, I don't think you are strong. You just got to get better on these things, you know, because I think we, wanna, we can go far with this team. That's what he told me straight up. You know, and yeah. I'm a 33-year-old guy. Like, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I appreciated it happy or anything like that. You know? you know, you know what you're getting, and I appreciate it because that was great, so that helped me a lot.
1: You know what I think your secret sauce was—you're having fun. Yeah, probably. You didn't yeah, have any the, pressure, and the moment you won that first game, it was like that—all that, that built-up pressure was like damn broke, and you could just go play yeah. and have fun again and be yourself. Yeah, that 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 game when I when I won, saw you at the All-Star game, you had the biggest smile on your face I've ever seen. Playing. Yeah, I was just game. having
0: fun. Yeah, I was just I was just excited. You know, it was just a surreal moment for me because especially when I said when I was you know five, four months ago. And then I was there night and day, you know, went yeah. from, you know, probably quitting hockey uh, to be able to play and be at the AHL star. was just great. Oh. You
1: know, it and then look what happened amazing. the next Very season thankful for that. You end up playing 53 games with the Kings. And again, you get a couple more yeah. years out of your career and you're a starter in the NHL again, going from what you yeah. had been through to that point. Did it almost seem surreal?
0: Absolutely. It almost, it, <laughs> I know nothing is impossible. I mean, people say that, but it was literally impossible. I never even imagined that in my mind. Like, if somebody would ask me that, I would like, you guys are crazy. That that is that is never going to happen. And you know, I after that year, I I came back to camp with uh, you know with the Kings, and you know, I was thinking that I might be a backup, you know, to Quickie, uh, and they pick up uh, Jeff Zatkoff, and uh, he was playing, and and uh, you know, I had a really strong camp, and. You know, Dean Lombardi called me in his office and says, "You know what? We're we gonna send you down." Uh, and uh, before that, they told me, "You know, like if you outplay him. You know, that's good." And I had a really, really strong camp. I don't think I lost the game, and my stats were great. You know, so I did everything. You know, my my testing was good. Everything was good. So I was like, and I asked him, you know, like, you know, just between me and you, what what do you what should I work on since you know you guys obviously think that I'm lacking something? And they're like, "No, it's just you know, just keep going. This is the situation." You know, and he told me, he's like, "Look." is like a year ago you were a boxer who was on a count of nine down on the ground right now you're playing professional hockey you might play nhl you had a great year in nhl go back down see what's gonna happen you never know i'm like okay so i'm driving back we have a team function with ontario and Later on that night you know quickie unfortunate for him he got hurt and uh they call- and i was like this is like unbelievable and then then I changed that. Zaskov started a couple of games and then they put me in and I never looked back. It was just, uh, you know, something that I can't even, I wouldn't even think about it. I don't think ever. I don't know, nobody would. Well, <laughs> I think that would everybody ask
1: themselves. Did you ever get emotional thinking about it? I've had moments in my career where I've looked back on it and I just think, I honestly can't believe that this happened to me, that I got the yeah. chance to do this, that I quite yeah. literally lived my dreams.
0: It is. Yeah, it is absolutely. uh it is a privilege that uh, you know, and, and blessing. You know, I uh, I think that <laughs> uh, you know I, I'm, I'm Christian, so I, I always say, you know, that that was the way God wanted me to go. Like he, he like, it literally everything fall in the right path for me. Even though they, I didn't make the team. They didn't want me. They had to play me. Like, yeah. They they had they had to play. They had me no choice. Like, there was, You're playing they, that had, well? they had they had no choice. So it's like it was literally you know, very special moment for me. So I'm very thankful for that because I was able to get a couple more years out of it. So it was, it was cool.
1: Another cool moment of your career was finishing it off. And we kind of had similar paths in that way too, that I think you had an idea when your last game was going to be. I Mm -hmm. knew when mine was too, but your teammates did something really special for you in Ontario.
0: It was cool. Like I, I, I didn't tell anybody, like I wasn't going to tell anyone you know, we've talked about with my wife that it's going to be it. And then, um, you know, I think that I just told just somebody, I just said, uh, you know what, this could be my last, but, you know, I just said, you know, don't say to boys or anything like that. I think it was one of the people, person from the staff or I think one of the PR guys. And I said, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to tell the boys or anything like that. And then last game, they really, uh, did something very special. I didn't know about it. And nobody told me about it. So they did the whole video and everything else. It was very, very emotional for me, you know, to have my wife and the kids on the ice. You know, it was, it was very special, you know. They, they, they make pictures and send me like the little, you know, picture frames and everything else. You know? So it's, yeah. uh, you know, I still have it. So it's, it's, it's amazing. So it was, it was a very cool thing that Ontario did for me and the LA organization too. You know, it's, it's very, very special for me and that uh, the day is gonna be always remembered.
1: So it was cool. Isn't it nice to be able to end a career you the way you want to end it? That really means a lot to an athlete to be able to call your own shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you know we live in a world, but a lot of times we don't have a chance to call our own shot, and uh, you know because of the business point of view. But uh, you know, being able to say it and be able to uh, finish it like you wanted it to, it's it's pretty pretty special. And I think that um, anybody who was fortunate enough, um, just like me and you, that you know we we appreciate it more than. Uh, people understand, you know, because um, you don't understand how much you, you know, uh, love the game, and uh, that was your life. You know, it's it's a huge part. It's the pretty much ninety percent of your life until that point. You play since you're five or six, and you know, you played until you're thirty-five, and you know, that's that's pretty much entire your life you spend around hockey and in hockey world. So yeah. it is very special, and you know, share it with the people that you love, like you know, like your, I don't know. I had my family there my kids so it was it was very special and you know my my parents are watching it too so it was it was pretty cool
1: now that we're just a couple of retired old goaltenders what's <laughs> next <laughs> what's next for you you're living in the phoenix area what's keeping you busy
0: uh you know i'm I'm doing some private lessons with the goalie goalies and i'm trying to get um into coaching uh the goalies not players just the goalies and, and I, I enjoy it you know i think that i'm Uh, looking to stuff to uh to give back and uh, enjoy uh working with the goalies seeing what they're doing and uh trying to uh help them you know with the experience that i you know got from the years of playing you know that i can help their game and then seeing them playing well makes me very satisfied because it's uh like you are i remember when i was a kid and i would have a uh, a, a goalie coach I, mean, I had goalie coaches but I never had a goalie coach who played NHL you know played a long career so it's very special for me to uh, to give back to the kids and I see a lot of kids they're trying and they a lot of kids have a lot of passion for the game and that's what, what I love to see on the kids to the determination and the passion the, the struggles too because there are going to be struggles you know there's going to be a tough situation they're going to face but it was just amazing that I want to be a part of it and I want to help them the best I can. So, you know, I'm doing some goalie camps and, uh, goalie clinics and goalie private. So that's, uh, that's the route I want to go. And, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to work out.
1: You got a good heart, Boots. Thanks so much for doing this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
1: You know, it's awesome. Big thanks to Peter Budai for hopping on the show. If you enjoy Six Degrees, please subscribe and rate on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're interested in advertising on Six Degrees, please contact believe at bleav.com. As always, you can find me on all the socials at Mike McKenna56. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees with Mike McKenna.